0: reading from the book of Samuel. And David said, Is there still anyone left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, there is still the son of Jonathan, he is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, he is in the house of Makir, the son of Emil, at Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Makir, the son of Emil, at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan, and I will restore to you the land of Saul, your father. And you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Then the king called Ziba Saul's servant, and said to him, all that belonged to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commands his servants, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both his feet. The word of the Lord.
1: Can we give Katie a round of applause? Wow, that was brilliant. Everyone have a great day. Thank you. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah, it's one of those names you're like, I'm not even going to go for it. But Katie went for it. Good job. As we enter into this time, I'm going to say one more brief word of prayer if you could bow with me. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in Your sight, our Rock and our Redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come, Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well. Today's message, I think, is placed perfectly as we enter into the week of Thanksgiving and as we look to the coming of Jesus. We've been looking at the life of King David, and now we're in 2 Samuel chapter 9 with this character, (laughs) Mephibosheth. And uh, before we dive into this passage, I want to begin with a question. When is the last time you witnessed the power of grace? When's the last time you witnessed the power of grace? As some of you know, last week we went out uh, in this ministry called Hope Repair. We actually had about 30 people devote most of their Saturday to go work uh, and serve the poor in our city. You see, once a month, we, we co-lead this ministry called Hope Repair. And uh, we go to these homes that are in, in shambles. And we help rebuild homes. And, and we serve people that don't have the means to, to do it themselves. And as we were setting out last Saturday, a, a woman, uh, Melissa, in our church, she stopped by Publix. Because she wanted to buy flowers for the home of the lady we're serving that day. So she she went and got a, a beautiful plant at Publix, and as she was checking out, there was a, a young teenage girl, about 15 years old, named Shay. And Shay said, well, where, where are you going today? Do you have big plans? And Melissa said, well, actually, I'm going with a team to go help uh, rebuild a home that needs some help. And Shay said, oh, isn't that sweet. So we go, 30 of us, to three different home sites, and we help rebuild these homes. And the mission of Hope Repair is really simple. We want them to be uh, safe, dry, and warm. And we go in the heart and love of Jesus. And so fast forward to the next day. Melissa happens to need charcoal and some other groceries. So she goes back to Publix, and as she's checking out, the woman says, Hey, weren't you the lady going to help rebuild a home yesterday? And Melissa said, Yes, it it was me. She goes, Where was this home? And Melissa said, It was in Hugie, up the street, up 41. And she goes, What room in the house did you happen to rebuild? And Melissa said, It was It was a bedroom. And this young lady said, you rebuilt my grandmother's bedroom. And I've spent all morning painting it with her. You can see the paint still on my hands. When's the last time you witnessed the power of grace? I think that's the question and that's the heart of our passage. The big idea of today's passage is this. The power of grace produces a heart of gratitude impacting generation upon generation with God's extravagant love. The power of grace produces a heart of gratitude impacting generation upon generation with God's extravagant love. And we're going to unpack this in a very straightforward way today. We're going to look at the first part of this and the second part. So point number one, the power of grace produces a heart of gratitude. So who is Mephibosheth? Let's say this together. The story of? One more time. The story of? Yes, we're looking at Mephibosheth. It's not the most marketable name. I'm sure if he was running for office last week, he might have shortened it a little bit. Um, So who is this character? Well, he's a prince. The grandson of a king. In fact, the first king of Israel named Saul. If you remember, we've been teaching through the life of David this fall, and the people of Israel had pretty much rejected God's leadership, and they wanted a human king, and so they presented Saul. God anointed Saul to represent himself to the people and to the world, and he said, Be faithful and obedient to me. And as we know, Uh, Saul did not do that. Again and again, he sought his own fame for his own name. And God said, enough. God found this little shepherd boy and said, this is the one. This is the future king of Israel. And his name was David. So we've looked at the life of David. Well, Saul had a son who was the heir to the throne named Jonathan, right? Jonathan, recognizing God's anointing on David, stepped to the side so that David could rise in leadership. But the problem is Saul was not ready to kind of recognize God's new appointment and anointing of David. And so he pursues David, trying to slay David over and over again in the second half of 1 Samuel 1. Who comes to David's aid again and again but Saul's own son, Jonathan? And then at the end of 1 Samuel, there's this epic battle yet again with the Philistines, and Jonathan is slayed. And Saul is also wounded, and he ends up taking his own life. In the process of all this, Jonathan has a son named Mephibosheth. And as the son is uh, picked up by the nurse that keeps him, and she is fleeing with the son, and he's five years old. We read this in the early pages of 2 Samuel. She drops the son, and his legs, his feet, shatter. And he's forevermore crippled. But as we study the scriptures, he's not just crippled physically, he's crippled relationally and probably spiritually. You see, Mephibosheth is a broken man, full of shame. And fear. In fact, if you unpack his name, theologians say the word shame is actually built into that name, Mephibosheth. And he, as we pick up in our story today, like, he's homeless. He's lost everything. He's living with some guy named Makar. And he, he's lost. And the scripture reads, David said, is there still anyone left? of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. And now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba and they called him to David and the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show, mark this, the kindness of God to him? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He's crippled in his feet. And answered, Behold, but I am your servant. And then King David sent and brought him from the house of Makur, the son of Emiel of Lodabar, which what I'm told is it means the place of nothing. In Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face. And paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. So I just want you to picture the scene. You know, in those days when regimes would change hands, blood would be spilled. So you've got this broken, crippled man, this lost man being summoned by the new king of Israel. What do you think he was headed towards? So he's summoned by David. He falls on his knees face to the dirt, expecting to be cut down because of his lineage, because of his grandfather and how Saul again and again tried to kill David. That's what they did. We've seen the TV shows, right? About the old times. And in fact, in a verse or two, uh, it... uh, we, we read that uh, Mephibosheth actually uh, says, I am a dead dog and deserve nothing. I'm a dead dog. Like his fate is sealed. But everything is motivated and hinges on one important word, which is this. If I can pull it up. There we go, technology. Kindness repeatedly, David says, because of the kindness of Jonathan, because of the kindness of God, I want to extend that kindness beyond my life to this young man. This word, we're going to learn to say this together. Let's say it. Chesed. Can you say it with me? Chesed. This isn't a word that when you go to you know, Chick-fil-A or another restaurant and they say, bless your heart. That's not what it means to be kind in this sense. Hey, pass, you, pass me, if you'd be so kind, pass me some of that Chick-fil-A sauce, Julie. No. It's the, it holds the weight of when someone in our church calls Carly and me, says, can we go to dinner? And they take us to dinner and they say, Paul, Carly, we have no family to leave our kids to in our will. Would you be so kind as to let us write you in to our will? It means covenant faithfulness, lasting loyalty. And David knows through all the highs and the low that God has been faithful and extravagant in his generosity towards him. And it all hinges on this word kindness. And he's called to extend the kindness To Jonathan's son, the Hesed. And he's motivated by this and he acts upon this. So here's the picture Mephibosheth falls on his face and on his knees, expecting literally a sword to cut him down. I'm a dead dog. But David says, But I am the king and I give you. Point number one, the power of grace produces a heart of gratitude. Point number two, impacting generation upon generation with God's extravagant love. The passage goes on, David says to him, do not fear, for I will show you kindness. There's that word again. For the sake of your father, Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. And you shall eat at my table always. And then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belong to Saul and to all his house I've given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. And now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commands a servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. David says three things. He takes three actions in this moment. First, he says, do not be afraid. Second, he says, eat at my table, Dan. Eat at my table, Trenton. Third, he says, and be my son. You see, the grace extended by David here changes everything for Mephibosheth In Micah, in all of their lineage. He, He was good for dead. He was a dead dog. But then he met the grace of God and it changed everything for him. Now, friends, does this message sound familiar? These three actions that David took are the three actions we see again and again and again that Jesus takes. He says, Brett, do not be afraid. Frank, eat at my table. Friends, be my son. You know, when Jesus met his first disciples, these Yahoos, they're they're fishermen. So I can say they're Yahoos because I'm a fisherman. They're, They're fishing all night. How good did they do? Terribly. They didn't catch anything, not so good. And sometimes that just happens, John. And so they're fishing. And, uh, and Jesus sees them. He's like, can I get in your boat? And he gets in the boat. He starts teaching a crowd you know, from a boat. And then he's like, hey, guys, I want you to cast your net over here. And they're like, we've done that. He's like, trust me, just, just cast your net. They get such a haul, catch so many fish that as they're pulling in their nets, their boat starts sinking. And Simon Peter, in that moment, drops to his knees. And he says, away from me. O oh Lord, for I am a sinful man. And Jesus responds with these words, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Similarly, do you remember this story in the New Testament of Jesus as he's traveling around? He would often say, Come to my table. Mark chapter 2. Jesus comes upon this scandalous tax collector. Tax collectors were the scum of the scum back in those days. They would cheat people. They weren't loyal to the Israelites. They were loyal to the Roman Empire. And he says, Levi, today I want to eat with you. Can you get some of your friends and come to my table? Later that day, he's eating... A meal with Levi and the tax collectors, and the religious leaders say, See, he eats with those kind. And what's interesting is, Jesus, in eating with these kind, like he would be ceremonially unclean, his wholeness would be tarnished and broken for them. But Jesus says to these self righteous religious leaders, It's not the healthy who need a doctor. But the sick, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And then we see Jesus calling and redeeming you and me, Hannah. Galatians chapter 4, we read these words, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You see, the grace extended by David points to the grace promised in Jesus like a divine spotlight. It's an epic story where God says, turn the lights on and point to him. It parallels exactly what Jesus offers to us. And so as we enter into Advent, listen to these words from Luke chapter 2 about the shepherds. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them in the glory of the Lord, the king, shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, The Lord. You see, when the grace of God comes down and shows up, it changes everything. It changed everything for Mephibosheth, and it's meant to change everything for us. So in summary, the power of grace produces a heart of gratitude, impacting generation upon generation with God's extravagant love and let's turn it into this room right here and right now where do you find yourself today as you listen to this passage and you hear about you know these different characters who are you today do you happen to feel a sense of brokenness a sense of shame a sense of fear? I, I don't know about you, but just being very honest, I sense this in me every day. I, I, I lead with a limp. I know I need the grace of God in my life today as much as I needed it yesterday or last year or the year before or the same as when I was that 19 year old kid. I had experienced brokenness again and again through bad choices, and I was like, have mercy on me. Help me, oh God. Perhaps you're in that moment today where you walk with a limp, and you know there's brokenness in you and around you. And God says, Brendan, come to my table. Find my lasting love and loyalty. It'll change Everything. Or perhaps you're like somebody else in the story and you feel a sense of responsibility. Perhaps you've been at the table, you've been a servant for God for some time, but you know there's something more for you. What's interesting, there are two primary responses in this passage. We've talked about one at length, Mephibosheth. He's desperate for the grace of God. But then there's Ziba. And I just love that name, Ziba right? But there's Ziba and his 15 sons and 20 servants. And David the king he says, Ziba come to me and go on my behalf and bring the broken back to me. Bring them back to my table. I give them these resources. I give them this land. Will you till the land so that we could provide for Mephibosheth and generations after him. And Ziba says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. And he goes. And perhaps that's what you're feeling called to do and be today, not just like Mephibosheth, but like Ziba, to actually steward the grace of God, the goodness of God that's been given to you to build his family. I love this quote by Leslie Newbegin, a theologian that is past, but the gospel is not just the illustration, even the best illustration of an idea. It is the story of actions by which the human situation is irreversibly changed. The gospel is the story of actions by which the human situation is irreversibly changed. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would search us and you would know us. God, for those who are broken and crippled here and they know it, God, would you call them back to yourself and to your table today? Would they be able to say yes to your grace? And God, for those of us who feel a real sense of responsibility to love and and go seek and save the lost. Would you give us a heightened sense of this responsibility in all of its fullness as we say yes and we go in the name of the King. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.